Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A huge explosion of fire for John Forrest. The car exploded going through the lights, and this is as bad a fire as we We're kicking off the 2022 season of shows with a conversation with Bob Tasker III and Pro Stock newcomer Cameron Caruso. It's going to be Tim Wilkerson. Wilkerson goes 391-2. A Nitro veteran and a gear jamming newcomer. Perfect reaction time for Dallas Glenn. Triple zeros across the top of the time slip, and at the finish line stripe, it's Dallas Glenn. This is the NHRA Insider. It's Cruz Pentagon, 395.8, 324 miles an hour. It marks a victory of 26 ten thousandths of a second. Hey everybody, it's Brian Loans. We are back for the 2022 NHRA Camping World Drag Racing Season, Lucas Oil Drag Racing Season, Pro Modified Season, and more as we continue to work our way through this offseason and get ourselves prepared for the upcoming Winter Nationals to kick off what will be an incredibly exciting and certainly an incredibly wild 2022 season of NHRA Camping World Drag Racing and Lucas Oil Drag Racing. Really across the board, it is going to be a spectacular year. If this offseason has anything and I mean anything in store for us that we don't expect, um, it is all going to come to fruition very quickly when we get out there to Pomona. We certainly have about a month and a half before the hardcore testing begins. That said, there are teams that are getting the testing ball rolling early. Uh, One of those teams is that of Camry Caruso. When we talk to her uh, later on in this show, she'll be coming to us from Florida where she is getting her uh, feet wet officially now in a pro stock car. It has been a long couple of months of logistical work and planning and getting pieces and parts together down there at the titan racing engine shop in north carolina can't wait to talk to her to see how the very early returns of her pro stock career are going it's been a great couple of months uh, following the nhra winter nationals in november we had a, a sema show out there that was spectacular of course the pri show is packed full of news and the news continues to break during this off season Tony Schumacher announcing, of course, Skag Equipment is going to be his sponsor, one of the primary sponsors on that car, along with the Maynard family. We know what's going on with uh, Tony Stewart Racing. They are going uh, 500 miles an hour to get their top fuel operation up. Dickie Venables and crew have gotten their funny car operation set up, and they are very much at home now in the TSR shop there in Brownsburg, Indiana. The announcements that have come around the sport have been very, very positive, not just on the new team front. We all know about the Ron Caps team and everything else going on there, but really what's going to be going on with teams expanding schedules, which is uh, spectacular. Of course, we had some races last year that were light on cars. By all accounts, those races are going to be a lot better looking in 2022 for the fact that competitors like Bobby Bodie saying he's going to run like 11 races about half the schedule uh, we have Krista Baldwin saying about the same thing yeah Trip Tatum was going to be stepping up with more races and of course Tony Schumacher back full-time that adds a car uh, we can go right down the list of really almost every category and even some stuff that has not come out yet which will be coming out in the next few weeks of teams that are advancing plans signing sponsors and moving themselves ahead as far as evolving their programs it is um it is a great time in this uh, sport of Camping World Drag Racing. You know, this offseason is going to be fantastic for content as well. Make sure you're watching the NHRA Tubi channel. Make sure you're watching on Plex. Make sure if you have a Roku, you're watching on the NHRA Roku channel as well. We have a lot of live programming coming on the NHRA social media channels from Shop Talk with Alan Reinhardt, a new tech talk show we're going to be doing with National Tech Director Lonnie Grimm, and the list continues to go on, including Nitro Time Machine Live, where we'll be inviting some of our drivers in to review old races 
voices tell stories and kind of relive past glories. As we continue really uh, moving our way through this offseason, I want to get the conversation started with uh, a racer who had a good season in 2022, one that's, or rather 2021, and a season that he hopes to build with strongly for 2022. And that man is Bob Tasker, the third driver of the Quick Lane Motorcraft Nitro Funny Car Mustang. He comes back with a lot of confidence, certainly with race wins under his belt. And he is a guy that uh, I'm very interested to hear his perspective on what's been going on in this offseason. So we're going to have a short monologue here. We're going to go right into the interviews. And I welcome our first guest of the 2022 NHRA Insider season, Mr. Bob Tasker III. How you doing, Bob? Excellent, Brian. It's an honor to be a first guest of 22 here. I wanted to keep it local. You know what I mean? I needed to keep it inside the New England uh, barrier here to get us started this year. <laughs> Sounds good to me. So let's talk a little bit about uh, how your offseason's been going so far, man. I know you get a chance to kind of take a deep breath as far as the racing goes. The business side never really stops. But uh, when you look back over kind of 21, uh, what, do you, what do you look at? What do you think about? Hey, listen, it was a great. It was, you know, my best year of my career. A lot of good to take from 2021. Learned an awful lot, even in those stretches where we weren't winning. Uh, we learned a lot about what we needed to do to get this car back on track. And, you know, you saw it come on strong there at the end. Great win in Pomona. And I'm really excited about 2022. It's, it's in my opinion, my best shot to go out there and, and win a championship. Uh, we got all the parts and pieces that we need. Uh, we put some big, big parts orders in to, you know, stay ahead of any of these shortages and, you know, we kind of got pinched a little bit last year with clutch discs uh, coming up short on on the batches that we really wanted to run in the car. We just couldn't buy them. Uh, so that caught us a little bit off guard. But, you know, we're coming into 2022, you know, fully armed and um, looking forward to testing in Phoenix in February and, you know, picking up right where we left off in Pomona. You know, I think what's really interesting in terms of the the kind of nuts and bolts almost business side of this sport and in the, in the off season of this year it's a totally different dynamic than we've seen you you exist you work in your normal life in a very competitive environment you know you have a, a load of employees whether we talk about technicians salespeople whatever that you need to provide a good environment for them to work in you're, you're trying to make the best environment for them so you can retain these people this is the first time i can ever remember in my time with nhra that 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 attitude and the ability to have that good working environment is so important because there is more cars than there are really qualified crew people these days. Yeah, no, uh, Brian, it's, you know, the, the job market finally caught up to racing and it's been the most challenging off season for us just to, you know, fill some holes on our team, you know, but fortunately to your point, we got, you know, the best parts and pieces. We got unbelievably talented crew chiefs, um, you know, great sponsors behind us. And, and at the end of the day, we were able to, you know, really locked down some some pretty talented guys uh, in the holes that we needed to fill. Uh, we lost a couple guys to the job market. They just got out of racing and, you know, took uh, local jobs, you know, a little bit better quality of life for some, you know, that are, you know, have families and so forth. Uh, but no, been very challenging, but we got our team. Uh, everybody's in place and, you know, practicing and working on cars and, you know, doing it, doing it our way. And, I you know, I tell crew members, you know, there's a hundred ways to, to slice this, um, you know, to slice this cat. But the bottom line is, is we do it a certain way. You know, Mike Neff and John Schaefer run the program a certain way. And, you know, even for experienced crew members, it takes a little bit of time to get up to speed to our way of doing it. And, you know, we're fortunate. We got our team in place. So we'll be uh, we'll be ready for Phoenix. 
you know, the, the top fuel category is all kinds of, in a good way, kind of upheaval with teams popping up and, and like new names popping in and everything else or names coming back. You know, with Funny Car, we see a great level of consistency, which should translate back to the racetrack and what was one of the most hotly contested seasons ever. Oh, I mean, it was, it was in all my years racing, you've, you've been around longer than me, Brian. This was the most competitive, funny car field ever, period. And, um, you know, we were one or two races in that countdown from winning the championship. So, you know, our team is, is clearly positioned to go out there and compete, you know, win races and put ourselves in a position uh, for the countdown. And the way the points are, they reset and, you know, truthfully, it's whoever's got the best run in those last few races that that walks away with the crown. And uh, I'm excited. You know, the, you know, if you're going to win a championship, you're going to go out there and compete in Funny Car. You know how how cool is it to say? You know, you're in the mix with the most competitive Funny Car class. You know, probably of all time. Are you looking forward to the shootout races? I think these uh, these shootout races with a call out format are really going to be a game changer for us. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, I've never, you know, I've been close, but I've never competed in, in one of the shootouts. Uh, you know, this year we certainly will. And uh, it's going to be fun to go out there and try to, you know, double up at Indy. Yeah, it is. Uh, it adds a whole element. And especially, you know, the, the, the call out side of things is going to make it a lot of fun as well. And I know there's a lot of, you know, kind of great fan anticipation for these uh, for these races as well. Anytime you can put a bunch of money up on top of something, it's uh, it's always cool. <laughs> and, and that, uh, you know, just spices things up a little bit, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, looking forward to it. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the Mach-E. Are we going to see that car back again? Um, the, absolutely. They're working on it now. Um, uh, Pat and Jeff and the guys out on the West Coast, and I'm not sure how many races, but uh, they're going to be mixed, changing up a little bit. It's really been a project for Ford to you know, learn how to keep going faster and quicker in that electric class You know, as we hopefully build to a, a pro uh, series here, uh, hopefully sooner than later. Uh, I think the fans want to see it. It's it's coming, and Ford is really positioning themselves to be a leader. Uh, you know when that class uh, does you know get announced. It's it's a really interesting perspective you bring to this element of stuff as well because uh, you know your your stock and trade is the car business obviously. So you know forecasting trends, whether they're design trends or whether they're you know usage trends via you know trucks and everything else. But really, when we look at the uh, the horizon of the electric stuff, you see this in a very different way than you know than the normal guy in the street does. So, Brian, I'm going to make an announcement here in 2022, and those of my gas friends out there might be a little shocked by this announcement. Uh, but I'm coming up on one year driving a Mustang Mach-E, and I'm here to tell you for the first time that I will never drive as an everyday car. Now, you may have to pry that GT500 out of my hands <laughs> on the weekend, but I will never drive as an everyday car again a gas-powered vehicle. Never. The electric vehicle is so far superior to any anything you want to measure, other than range anxiety, which is f- quickly becoming a thing of the past. Um, and that's not an issue for me because I don't drive 300 miles in a day when I'm home. Okay, but if you can get past that, there is nothing a gas-powered vehicle does better than an electric car. I just love everything about it. It's fun to drive. I, I wave to gas stations as I go home at night. I get in the car, it's got a full range uh, every time I leave the garage. It's got plenty of room in it, handles because of the way they weight balance the vehicle. It is so much fun to drive. My wife drives a GT version of the Mach-E. So from a dealership perspective, the, the tidal wave is coming. Now, it's going to take time. We're talking, you know, you know, many years for it to become, um, you know, outsell a gas-powered vehicle. 
but it's coming rapidly. You just heard Ford announce that they're doubling, tripling from their original forecast, the electric F-150, a Lightning, which is a spectacular vehicle. I've driven it. And then you see what's coming at the racetrack, and you sit in meetings with these Ford engineers, and they say, okay, Tasker, um, you know, as we approach the end of the decade, do you want to drive the fast car or the slow car? And I'm like, well, what are you talking about, fast or the slow car? Well, we think we can outrun the funny car with technology that's coming down the road. And it's like, oh, my God, did that guy just say that? Like, did someone just tell me that this technology that's going to outrun a nitro funny car like this? I've never heard that in my lifetime, right? So I think it's really exciting because as a kid, I got into racing through stories of all the milestones, my grandfather and Bernstein and, you know, Perdome and Gotlitz, all these milestones that were generated. And truthfully, we haven't seen many milestones in no, my racing career. We haven't. And now we're going to be able to see a new class of racing, Brian, in milestones first of its kind and potentially even surpassing some of the milestones that we've even done in the, in the Nitro classes. It's going to be a pretty cool decade or two to – you know, to be a part of this this new electrification uh, that's happening. No, it really is, and uh, you know, technology does not stand still. And and I have a lot of conversations with people, and you know, they give you all the reasons why it won't work. And it's like, well, you go back 110 years; these are all the these are the same guys that were telling yeah. you that you'd never be able to have a gas powered car because you know how are you going to put gas in all these different cars? Well, then all of a sudden, these gas stations all over the place. You know, it's it's yeah. there's no there's never really been a situation that um, that human beings have not been able to actually figure out practical solutions for. So to your point, I mean, it it. It only makes sense that, and again, like you said, it's going to take time, but it, it does only make sense that, that these things, they're not going to get slower. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. no, they're not going to get slower at all. The technology is incredible. Uh, I think you'll go back to a quarter-mile racing at, at extremely high speeds uh, because of regen technology and how these cars slow down rapidly. So um, I think it's pretty cool. I, you know, again, it's not tomorrow. And what I love about NHRA, because – I, you know, hey, listen, I got gasoline, nitro running through my blood as much as anyone on the planet, right? And what's great about NHRA, unlike other form of motorsports where they may have to make the switch at some point official, we have classes. Yeah. So if you don't like electric cars, go get a couple beers, right? And then come back when the nitro cars are running. So NHRA is not an either or sport. We give you the best of all worlds from motorcycles, the pro mods, you name it, pro stocks. So that's where I think um, electric can be really, you know, well received in our sport because it's not replacing anything. Yeah, and, and the conversation I have with people that they get all nervous about this stuff is is, you know, I always tell people, listen, the the people that should be really nervous about this stuff are, you know, if you want to be that way, would be the fans of say an NASCAR and IndyCar, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but once they switch, yeah. they switch. It's over. It's over. Yeah. So you know, you're. It, Drag racing is so uniquely positioned to be able to give you the cars that blow your eardrums out and then be able to give you the most technologically advanced cars that maybe not won't blow your eardrums out, but may blow your mind with how quick they are. And it's it's something that no other motorsport is going to be able to do but us. Yeah, no, I, you're spot on. And that's what I've been preaching. I mean, I'm I'm an electric guy. I think, you know, Carol Shelby said it best. What's your favorite car? He's, his answer was the next one. Yeah. And my grandfather lived lived his life very much like that and for me it's the same you know it's what's coming next it's being a part of it uh and and truthfully you know being with ford i I really you know maybe i'm a little biased but i I think as a full line oe there is no oe better position than ford to really capitalize on this electrification 
Um, and you're going to see it with products that they have out now and coming in the very near future. And what really excites me of all the OEs, they've really taken this position on the racing front uh, in drag racing to say, okay, we want to be a leader. We want to learn. We're going to make mistakes and we'll learn from it. And, you know, you've seen that with the, the electric Cobra jet. Uh, I'm thrilled to, to see what they have in store for us, um, you know, this season when they bring it out. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what NHRA announces. You know, again, I have no inside information, yeah. you know, when when that will be. But but to not think there'll be a, a pro electric series coming in the future is, you know, you're only kidding yourself. There will be one. And I think it'll be something really exciting to be a part of. I know we, I, I know Tasker Racing, some form or, or another with Ford will be a part of it because I really believe in it. Yeah. And, and there, you know, I can foresee the, you know, there's the 1960s, you know, Ford's total performance era was, was inarguably the most incredible motorsports effort that a, a company had ever put together. And really from European rally racing to NHRA drag racing to stock car racing, Ford threw their entire, you know, weight behind all of it and dominated all of it. Um, and I can almost foresee something in that vein happening again in the future with the electric electrification. When you when you look at what they're doing and how it can be translated across so many platforms, I can almost see a total performance era 2.0 at some point on the horizon. No, oh, for sure, it's already happening. You know, just being inside of Ford Performance and you know what those guys are talking about, and you know, it's electrification and comes up in every single uh, conversation. So, no, a lot of a lot of exciting things and. Um, you know, this offseason is going to go by real quick. It's uh, January 4th right now. I already had a couple of calls with the guys this morning. So, you know, we're gearing up and uh, looking forward to getting back after it. I'm interested in your take, too, on on really how I think in a very positive way the sport has, and especially team-wise, has splintered into, you know, to me, the more individual. And I know a lot of these teams are aligned and linked in different ways. But the more, you know, really kind of freestanding teams we have, the healthier this sport is. And that's not a knock against a John Force Racing or a Coletta Motorsports or, you know, what was formerly the, the Colossus of DSR. But I really do feel like this sport becomes its best when it's every man or woman for themselves. Oh, yeah. No, it's, you know, if you would have told me this, you know, five or six years ago that we'd be where we are now with, you know, mostly single car teams other than Coletta and Force, um, it's it's pretty cool. You know, I, I think it evens the playing field uh, for sure. Uh, there's definitely advantages having these multi-car teams to share data. Uh, but, you know, like even the Coletta camp, they only have one funny car. Uh, yeah, obviously, John's John's got two. Yep. Uh, but no, it's going to even the playing field out again. You know, love what Steve Torrance has done as a you know single car with a part-time team car with him with his dad. I mean, yeah, that's what drag racing was all about at its roots, and we've gotten back there. And and I don't see it changing anytime soon. When uh, I worked for a guy one time, who one of my favorite sayings, he looked me one time in the eye and and said the most dangerous words in the English language are "That's the way we've always done it." And over the last couple of seasons, these have been hard lessons to learn, but I think as a whole, the sport has learned a lot of lessons, whether it was, you know, figuring out a way to get through the 2020 season, whether it was dealing with, you know, supply chain shortages and, and stuff in 21, and then whatever 22 brings to us. What is your take on that? I mean, these are hard lessons to learn, but I think overall, there are lessons that have improved the sport. I think, I mean, it's, 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 it's not only the sport, it's the country, it's just the creativity of of you know the men and women out there to just find a way right find a way to get it done and you know it's a tribute to nhra and the teams and you know getting through 2020 and then navigating 2021 and you know i don't think there's anything that you can throw at us that we can't figure out how to overcome and 
you know, I, I think we're still going through it now, Brian. I mean, I just, you know, our company, uh, this this latest strain of COVID has ripped through our company in, in epic fashion. And, you know, I think you're going to see challenges going into yeah. 2022 with it, both at a team level. You know, we I had a meeting with, with the guys yesterday. Okay, how many people are vaccinated? What happens? You know, what's our contingency plans, you know, if if we get hit with the virus? And, you know, I've just been preaching. I know everyone has their own opinions, but I got a lot of friends in, in hospitals that run hospitals. And if you're not vaccinated, you have a, um, a much higher probability of being hospitalized on a ventilator and die than if you're vaccinated. So, you know, I, I don't think it's over by any stretch. I think 22 will, will throw its challenges at us and we're going to have to learn how to reinvent and overcome them. And I have no doubt we will. That's a fact, man. Hey, it's great to uh, always great to catch up with you, Bob. Get your perspective on uh, on various different things. You see the sport from a uh, from a unique prism, and of course, uh, you know legacy your family has in it, and certainly the the business aspect of things. So, man, I wish you the best uh, this off season, which is uh, dwindling by the day. So, <laughs> it is yes, yes, it, it is. It's, it's fun to look up at the calendar and go, man. There's testing, and it's not that many weeks before we get there. No, it isn't. See you soon. See you soon, Brian. Thank you, Bob. Thanks, man. Bye. And so with that, we're off and running for our 2022 NHRA Insider Podcast Conversations. Bob Tasso the third, for a very good reason, looking forward to the 2022 season after a career year in 2021. A young woman who will have a career year no matter how it goes in 2022 is Camry Caruso. She will become the second woman in the history of NHRA drag racing to run pro stock full time. And we catch up with Camry Caruso as she is testing in Florida, making her first official runs, if you will, as a as a full-time professional drag racer. She has license, of course, in a pro-stock car. She has been racing with the PDRA and other organizations, and we're going to talk to her right now and get her impression on these early days of her pro-stock career from putting the team together to actually get in the race car. Camry Caruso, how's things in Florida? So it's pretty good down here. It was a little chilly in the morning, but we just made our first um, official time. We let the clutch out. The other times we just burnouts and getting staged and everything. And it felt really good. I think we're on the right track, and I'm excited to see how it goes. It's a big moment. Obviously, the amount of work that has been going in there, and you've been front and center for all of it, uh, to get this team up and running has been immense. I want to talk about, I mean, how good did it feel to actually leave the starting line? It felt really great. I was super excited, and we've been here since Sunday night. Um, We set up on Monday, get everything resolved, and then we – made our first few burnouts this morning at like 10 ish and then we've been working on the car and just we just went up and let the clutch out for the first time so it's it's been a process but everybody's put in a ton of work and time and we're excited you know we talk about the burnouts in a pro stock car and it is kind of an art form in and unto itself so let's talk a little bit about that i mean you've been driving the outlaw 632 car and a bunch of other stuff how sensitive is the throttle pedal in that thing because that's the one thing i hear from a lot of people so I did have that experience earlier. It's way different. Carburetors TFI. Um, there's no comparison. It's night and day difference. It's so finicky. And that's why, you know, we see a lot of the like first time drivers, younger drivers get out there and they got the thing kind of just smashing off the chip. And I'm guessing the I'm guessing the goal of, of practicing the burnouts is to not be doing that every time. Yep, it does have a um, burnout chip in it, just you know, to get used to, but I'm not trying to hit it. And I'm trying to stay off of it as best I can, but it definitely 
take some practice, that's for sure. You know, as uh, we've been talking, you know, we talked, uh, of course, at Dallas when major announcement. You and I talked at SEMA. We spoke at PRI. Um, you know, between the PRI show and actually getting the car down there to Florida, how big a deal was it to have Jim Yates kind of on your side? And was Jim spending any time at the shop, or did he just kind of meet you up at the racetrack? No, he, we talked multiple times a day. He came to the shop a few times. Um, we've gotten a lot accomplished since PRI, and the fact that we even made it here with everything and made some runs today is uh, kind of back to everybody involved. When you look at, you know, what you're trying to kind of get under your belt as far as off-season testing, preseason testing, you know, what is a what is a successful end to this first session for you? I'm making some runs and make sure we're where we need to be, but we'll be back next week and the week after and the week after. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so we're going to be here for quite some time, but we're excited and I feel like we've made good progress so far and everybody involved has done a great job. It, uh, it's been a fun process to kind of follow along and, and watch. And uh, there was a social video yesterday or the other day of uh, you kind of standing up in the golf cart helping to put the uprights up for the, uh, for the awning. So you are hands-on on every level in this thing. Yep, I'm actually going to be doing my own transmission. So um, I'm excited about it. It's putting it together, a pro team, and running it. It's definitely new. But I'm excited for the challenge. And how about the challenge and, and the, the, the way that the, the, the guys down at Titan uh, Racing Engines, how, how excited are they to actually see this thing on the racetrack now? Because it's one thing to be obviously building motors on the dyno and everything else, but to actually see the car on the drag strip has to be fulfilling for them as well. I'm sure they're super thrilled. Um, everybody seems to be pretty happy with how everything's going so far. Um, Mike's put in a ton of hours on the dyno and in the engine shop, and so is Steve. So the fact that they get to see their engines run again is awesome. No, it's great. And how about the fact that, you know, I know you spent a lot of time in your simulator and, you know, now that you're actually in a race car, kind of using that muscle memory or using what you developed in the simulator as early as it is in this process, how helpful has that been? Honestly, if it wasn't for my 632 car and my simulator, I'm not sure where we would be. But, um, since we have the simulator and the 632 car for experience, I think that's played a huge role in being able to be ready and be here today making runs. As far as, uh, you know, as far as your family, obviously your grandfather and dad have, have always been by your side at the racetrack. You've been by their side at the racetrack as well. Um, talk about what their kind of emotional state has been <laughs> over the course of the last few days. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, Papa wasn't able to come to this one, but he'll be at the next one because somebody's got to stay home and run the company. <laughs> um, but dad, to be able to watch them has been awesome. I know dad's super excited. And I think this morning when we were starting for the first time to go to the track, I think I was more nervous than he was. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's another thing I want to talk about is, is obviously, you know, to get to this level, you have to be driven and you have to work your way to it, which you've done. And I want to talk a little bit about that, that pressure. And, and obviously there's like acute pressure, meaning the pressure you felt this morning going to the racetrack. And then there's a kind of overriding pressure as well. So now that you've actually gotten the car to the racetrack, does some of that come off the top a little bit that, okay, like we actually have a race car. We actually have something that can't compete. Um, I don't know, really. I think that it's kind of, twofold like okay we made it we did get it up and running but now it's okay I don't want to disappoint anybody who's put their time and effort and money so meaning Mike Jim Jim's wife has been awesome too 
Tron and John, Dad, Papa, and then all the people backing us. So, I don't know. I think it's just a different pressure now. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right. And I, and I think that's that's going to be, you know, it's always interesting for me when we see drivers make the, you know, kind of make the leap into a into a pro-level category. Obviously, there's, there's guys like me that call an interrupter day when you're testing that answer some questions. Uh, you know, there's, a, there's always somebody that kind of wants a little bit of your time, and, and that's another part of this adjustment period, right? Oh, yeah. It's definitely been interesting to adjust to all of that as well. And Elon's been a huge help to me in that form because I can kind of delegate some of it off to him. But you're right. Like, I literally, when I get home for the night after the shop, I put my phone on vibrate and I call it a day, basically, because I think I have like... I think I'm at like 70 something on red text messages for the week <laughs> and I'm not even going to ask like I've read them cause I haven't yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. It's uh, it's, it's a whole new world. It's a, it's a whole new evolutionary part of your career and it's uh, it's going to be really fun to watch. Um, so are you done now? Are you going to, are you going to stay next another day or two or are you going to call it quits for this session? And then like you said, head back next oh, week. Oh no, we still got about, four more hours today and then we got all day tomorrow and then we'll head home on thursday and come back on sunday <laughs> and you know, you're down at bradenton florida which is a great racetrack it's a place that so many people test at because of how consistent it is and how kind of smooth and, and good it is and i know you're familiar with that place too you've been down there a bunch oh yeah no i love bradenton it's a good spot we also have a lot of family friends down here like Davy and Jenny and Jason and Kenzie and all of them. So it's nice to be able to be that and Hannah and Taylor and all of them. So it's nice to be down here too, because then we can kind of catch up with some people we don't see all the time. It's a great thing. And and I guess in the early stages of this kind of coaching process, what are the types of conversations you've had with Jim Yates at the racetrack, not necessarily at the shop? What about, what about the conversations you've been having the last couple of days? Oh, we're just trying to get in the routine. There's some things about this car that are different than my 632 car. So just trying to learn the new way and take all the advice I can. And so have you uh, have you begun building transmissions yet, or are you still in the learning process there? No, I, def- I did the two that have been in the car. Awesome. They work so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a key, right? <laughs> you know, for, they work so far, so hopefully they continue on working. <laughs> And that's a then that, that's a skill set too that you're going to kind of develop over time and and you know there's been a lot of great kind of social media videos made of that process. It's almost like it's like building a watch. You know, you see these all these gears and everything else, but I guess it's like anything else. Once you've done it enough times, it's almost muscle memory and it's get the right gear sets in the right order and you're you're in business. I told Dad yesterday. I was like, "Stop having a conversation near me. I can't focus." <laughs> he's like really i'm like yeah really go away yeah go away in a year from now you'll be able to do it with a blindfold on but this this time of the this time of the process kind of important to be able to be able to have your complete concentration no no i'm like stop talking i can't focus (laughs) uh we've talked about in the past but for people that that don't know you mentioned your outlaw 632 car and there are a lot of people that listen to this podcast that may not be familiar with that category and you know, the smart thing you guys did was to set up that Outlaw 632 car effectively like a kind of a big inch pro stock car. You had a stick shift, you had a clutch pedal in there, so you had that kind of lay of the land already. Yep, so the 632 car we, was originally just a stepping point for Mountain Motor Pro Stock, but that changed <laughs> somehow on the time frame. But it was set up identical. Obviously, it's a little bit different with carburetors and EFI, but it basically was the same process. 
And you've driven fast so, dragsters as well. So in terms of, you know, in terms yes. of the first couple times you've let the clutch out off the starting line, it's not like an, oh, wow, this thing's way too fast. I mean, that's that 632 car and some of the dragsters you've driven, I would assume 60 foot almost identical to what a pro stock car would. Yeah, no, that's definitely not the change. Uh, the EFI, from anybody who's driven it, a carbureted car to an EFI car, they could agree it's their night and day, how they react and everything. So that's really the and the Liberty transmission. I had a Liberty shifter in my 632 car, but I had a Lenko transmission. Okay. Well, So the Liberty's way different and the EFI is way different. But other than that, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, it's really neat. And, you know, I think one of the things, like we watched, uh, you know, Kyle Koretsky over the last couple of seasons, of course, Dallas Glenn had a great rookie season, and you, you kind of watch drivers evolve over the course of the year, and, and, you know, the class is so tough. It comes down to being so accurate, not just – we always put a lot of focus on the reaction time because that's something everybody understands, but then the accuracy of making the shift points on time is a whole is a whole kind of next level of, of how you kind of move yourself to that elite kind of – elite level of performance. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a fun year and a learning year because there's great competition in the class and great people, so I'm excited. Well, Cambria, I'm, I'm thankful you took a few minutes of your day to uh, to catch us up here. I'm glad to be able to speak to you on uh, on really your first official day of testing after you made your first couple of hits, and I think this is fun. Ten years from now, you're going to be able to look back and listen to this interview and be like, oh, my God, I remember that. <laughs> yes. Well, it's great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, and I definitely will look forward to keeping you posted. Yeah, we look forward to following along. Uh, congratulations on getting the car to the racetrack, and and certainly uh, looking forward to following your testing progress over the next several weeks, and then seeing you in Pomona. Thanks, Camry. Of course. Have a great day. Thank you. Really fun to be able to catch up with Camry Caruso on what uh, will go back as a momentous day in her pro stock drag racing career. The first time that she has officially, as a uh, as a pro stock racer, let the clutch out to make some rips. And it's neat to talk to Camry. I think in some ways she's coming in as a bit of a dark horse. I think there are people that don't really understand uh, the level of competitor that she is. I think there are people that might not understand the level of horsepower she's going to come in with, but I can promise you that uh, she can drive. I have witnessed that with my own two eyes, and they can build racing engines at Titan Racing Engines. They were formerly known as a little outfit called Gray Motorsports, and um, last I remember, those cars with the Gray Motors in them were pretty fast, and those guys have not forgotten anything at the race shop going to bring us to the end of this episode now before we go and and close this episode some news has come out on this day this would be uh let's see january 4th uh it was announced today that tommy delago is joining justin ashley's team to work with mike green he's going to be a uh, assistant crew chief i guess we'd call it on the uh justin ashley top field dragster which is a huge deal dustin davis justin ashley and mike green getting together and they wanted to add some strength to their team delago was the guy they called he and uh he and Mike Green and Tommy DeLago have history together. Back in 2002, they worked together on a top field dragster that Andrew Cowan was driving back then. Had a hell of a season, championship level there. And uh, there's been some stories that have come out. Tommy said that he and Mike over the years have talked about the fact that, you know, they've always kind of said, hey, we need to get back together. We had great symmetry, we had great chemistry at the time, and we had uh, a lot of good things going on back then. So it really is fantastic. Another big announcement from that team. Tommy DeLago, after taking a couple years off and, and catching his breath a little bit after about a quarter century of full-time drag racing action, is going to be back in the pits, and he's going to be kind of an R&D specialist away from the racetrack for the team, working on some projects that Mike Green has put him on, as well as being at the races as well. So a welcome presence back in, and again, 
we keep talking about this offseason, the people that are being hired, the teams that are bolstering their their staff, the teams that are bolstering their their backstop, their their bench strength, if you will. And this is a big move for Justin Ashley, Dustin Davis, and the entire team that will be racing over the course of 2022. The announcements are going to keep coming. I know we got a couple more big ones in the pipe, whether we're talking about stuff from the NHRA Tech Department, whether we're talking about stuff from teams up, down, and sideways through the world of NHRA Camping World Drag Racing. It is still going to be a very, very full offseason. I'm Brian Loans. Thanks for listening to this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. Remember to follow us on all the NHRA social media channels, as well as paying attention to NHRA's new AVOD or uh, video on demand channels. We're talking the Roku channel, which is highly popular. The Plex app is available on your television. This is all free. You can watch NHRA on Tubi as well across other video platforms. There is something for you to watch NHRA related 24 hours a day. Seven days a week, either on your TV, on your smartphone, smart device, iPad, whatever you're using, you can find NHRA programming on those devices. Once again, I'm Brian Loans. Thanks for listening to this first short, sweet episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast as we begin our off-season programming for 2022 and move ourselves one day at a time closer to that preseason test in Phoenix and closer to the NHRA Winter Nationals that are coming in Pomona, California the middle of the month of February 18, 19, and 20. I should say 17, 18, 19, and 20 at Auto Club Raceway Pomona, that historic stomping grounds for nitro-fueled and gasoline-fueled competition. Thanks for listening to this first episode. We'll be back next week with more Inside the World of NHRA Drag Racing.